Hi, Jessica. How was your weekend? Hey, Natalie. I had a ton of fun. I got to dress up Audrey for the first time for her first friend's little birthday party. Yeah, because she's one, and she got to go to my son's first birthday party. Which was very fun. I loved seeing the kids sitting at the little table together. That was just precious to me. Eating their little plates of food and just having a blast and staring at each other the entire time, which was so funny. Yeah, that was really cute. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I found it interesting, too, because my son, of course, is making a mess with his food because... You know, I let him eat with his hands. And I think you told me you do too, normally at home. But she was so dressed up that it was like, we got to spoon feed her. Yeah, no. At your party, she had a little fork and was very ladylike for the first time eating. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think with that, letting him eat by themselves, there's like a terrifying aspect of, did I cut this the right way? Is this the right size? And I'm the mom who cuts every little piece into tiny tiny pieces because I'm so afraid of choking and so afraid of what could happen and what could go wrong in those situations right and normally normally I cut his food um and actually we just almost didn't make his first birthday party and as a mom of three kids you had the most terrifying situation happen to you just a few days before the birthday party I know and I haven't gotten to fill you in I just kind of told you a little bit of a little bit of what happened Welcome to the podcast, Life of Practice, where we talk about all things law, motherhood, and womanhood. We're your hosts, Natalie and Jessica. We're two lawyers turned working moms here to share the wisdom and experience we learned along the way. Whether you're looking to improve your practice or figure out when you'll finally get some sleep, we're here to give you real-life answers sprinkled with entertaining stories and some laughter. As always, this is a judgment-free zone to share your questions while learning how to lead a better life and improve your practice. So thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. We all know that CPR is important to know and that many parents know, theoretically speaking, but few of us who have become new parents during the pandemic understand how it really works in real life. Now, as a prosecutor, I read about CPR choking 911 calls all the time in police reports, but being in that situation in those five minutes is so different, and you actually experienced that a couple days ago with with making that phone call, right? Yeah, this was like probably the most terrifying experience of my life. And this might be triggering for some parents. So it's kind of a forewarning uh, about my story right now. So it was already a stressful day. I entered billable hours. That took some time. Um, This was the day before my son turned one. Um, So it was already a stressful day. And I let my husband take over the cooking for that day, even though it was my job. Um, so thankfully he did that. And which as a mom and a lawyer, it's a control freak thing to let someone else deal with that. Yeah, no, he actually, you know, it's nice. He cooks twice a week and I cook twice a week. And then we like go out to dinner on Fridays. It was supposed to be my day. He took over. It was wonderful. Like a weight off my shoulders. Um, he made some orchid pasta, uh, with vegetables that we had at the house. We'd have dinner at 530 every night. So it's my husband on one chair, me in another chair, my son in his high chair, and our nanny to his other side. And while he's eating the pasta, I'm asking myself, is this the right size? And like, for people who don't know that kind of pasta, it's a larger shape. It's kind of bigger circle. Yeah, it's. I would I would say it's like a nickel size, right? Yeah. Like it's nickel, and it's a little tougher. Um, and then he's got like his vegetables in there, and he loves vegetables. So, <laughs> And he also loves pasta. So, of course, the kid is like downing it, like scarfing it down. Um, into his mouth so I I asked myself like is this the right size and then what happened 
And so I, I asked my husband. He's like, yeah, I think it's fine. You know, he's, on, he's one tomorrow, so he's probably fine. He's got a bunch of teeth. He seems to be chewing. He's <laughs> so got like, a full right. mouth of teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I actually start to look it up on this app that I use to see how I'm supposed to cut up food and, like, whether he's allowed to have the certain food. So in the midst of looking it up, my son starts choking. Oh, my gosh. I realized it because he's making the mouth for a cough, but nothing's coming out. No sound is coming out. And he keeps doing it for like, this is like in a matter of seconds. And then I'm like, oh my God, he's choking. And the nanny realizes it too. And we unlock the table from his high chair, Yeah, which is... I don't know why this this table is always tricky to pull off, but like I whip it off. I think I slammed my my arm onto the table. I was while I was doing this, um, I I whip it off. I unstrap him and I start hitting his back because he's now turning red. Yeah, and so I'm like just like pounding his back, and an orichetti, like whole orichetti comes out. Oh and and me, meanwhile, while this is happening, I'm yelling, call 911 to my husband, which you're supposed to do. You're supposed to find a person and, and tell them to call 911. And so he calls and they hang up on him. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, oh my God, you have got to be kidding me. So then uh, after I hit his back, the nanny's like, he's still red. You need to, you need to push his stomach, like give him the Heimlich. Yeah. And she, she was certified, I want to say two years ago. She doesn't remember it as well because you know you're supposed to do it, it every changes, year yeah yeah you're supposed to like well you're supposed to practice it and you don't normally practice it in real life um but luckily she knew that i was supposed to hit his stomach and so i i squish his stomach and more pasta comes out like two halves of the orichetti so imagine oh like gosh. two halves of a nickel yeah um and saliva like stomach stuff so i have chills right now thinking of all this and just seeing a little baby in that helpless situation like and, like, I didn't see that he was red. My nanny and my husband saw that he was red. Um, I just was, like, I need, to, I need to, like, save him. I need to get out whatever's out. And I was, like, I don't know. It was terrifying. And 911 still was not on the phone at this point. So he called back. Or I they, they called him back. They were, they were, like, I think we got disconnected. I'm, like, yeah, no, no kidding. Um, so he tells – my husband tells 911, like, my wife got the pasta out he seems to be fine now and we still requested the paramedics come because you don't know yeah Um, which good thing because they said that he could still have something lodged in his system and like we wouldn't know um and it could be uh life-threatening if we hadn't had him checked out yeah um so they they came i want to say it took him like seven minutes and they're not that far from here either that's what's crazy there's a train track yeah, I mean, I I, I want to say it's under seven minutes, yeah. but by the time they got like loaded into their car and like got to my house, it was, it was quite some time. <laughs> this kind of comes as like a warning for all parents that you need to know the signs to look for because when you're first feeding children, you know that they gag when they're chewing food. Like that's their learning curve that teaches them how to eat food appropriately and how to move and how to eat that full meal. So you kind of always notice your kid gagging every so and so often when they're chewing. And I'm just, I look at the kids and I'm like, okay, you're fine. No worries. Yeah. No worries. And you never expect it to go to that next step though. And actually gagging and turning red. That's the scary part. 
Yeah, so he used, he used to gag a lot, like, on broccoli and stuff. And I knew it was gagging because sound was still coming out as he did it. Yeah. And my husband would be like, he's choking. I'm like, no, no, come down. He's gagging. But this time, no sound came out. And I was like, yeah, he's choking. Oh, my gosh. Ugh. Um. So the paramedics came, checked him out. They, like, tested his blood pressure, like, a bunch of stuff, listened to his, his lungs. Um, and it's funny, my husband asked. He was like, what would have happened if we didn't get it out and the paramedics and we waited for the paramedics. I'm like, he he would have died. That's terrifying. Like, yeah. That's... Just to think about that, because then you have that lingering in your head for days. Oh, oh yeah. I, so, so I think this happened on like a Monday or a Tuesday, and my body was just, it reacted to it for the entire week. Like, it was hard to concentrate. I felt sick. Um, I'm pretty sure, like, I had I was nauseous, and I, I definitely had vomiting at one day, which yeah. is TMI, but... That's understandable. As a mom, like, that's your biggest nightmare is your kid being in a helpless situation and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Well, and and the day that it happened, I told my husband, I said, we're going to in-person CPR. And so now we're scheduled for a couple days from now to go in-person here in in Downers Grove. As a mom of three, I have never taken a CPR class, which is ridiculous because we've had so many situations, not my kids choking, but I've been in the situation where... I was on the end of maternity leave, and I was choking every week what? on different foods. What? No one could figure out what the deal was, what was going on. It was just anytime I would sit down and eat something, I would start gagging, choking. My husband gave me the Heimlich a number of times that summer. I had like two weeks left to go back to work, I think, um, to finish my maternity leave. I was at home with the three kids, and... You always think about, okay, I'm going to do this for my kids. I'm feeding them food or whatever. You're kind of eating on the run as well. We're sitting down, um, starting lunch. I'm picking up tortilla chips on and off while I'm feeding them their own lunch as well. All of a sudden, I start choking. My husband's not home at this point. I'm by myself. Um, God. This was, I had just given birth to my second child, so he's like, whatever a couple months old I want to say four or five months old not even no not even it was three months old uh my oldest was two years old he sees me choking he's screaming his head off around me I'm trying to do everything I can to get it out of me I'm drinking water I'm on over a chair trying to pull it out of me so I call 911 well on 911 I can't say anything all you hear is me choking like crazy trying to spit it up I hear the operator keep asking me, like, what's the deal? What's the deal? Are you there? Someone, what's going on? I'm gagging, trying to get someone to understand that I'm choking. Oh, my goodness. So I'm on the phone for what seems to be literally forever. It was probably, whatever, 30 seconds to 60 seconds. I keep drinking water, keeps, like, just trying to spit up, basically. Like, Uh you're trying to throw throw up. Um, I was told by... Fireman years ago that if you're ever in that situation, gag yourself like you're at a college party, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he told me to think about. But not so, take shots, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so just gag yourself like you're at a party to make yourself sick. So I'm trying to do that. I spit up a little. It still hurts like crazy in my throat, but now at least I'm able to talk a little bit. Uh-huh. So I'm talking to the 911 operator. She's telling me, she's like, well, if you can talk, there's air going through, you should be fine. They asked me the same thing, like, do you want the paramedics to still come? I'm like, 100%. So I live 
half a block from the fire department, if that. Like, I could literally throw a rock at the firehouse from where I live. And uh, they take probably 10 or 15 minutes to oh come my to my goodness. house. Because they're like, she's fine. She's yeah, there. Because I have air, so it's all fine. And I'm just losing my mind. My two-year-old at this point is just going crazy because he thinks mommy was almost like in a really bad situation. He's I mean, crying his eyes out. Yeah, which I was. Which is kind of nuts that your two-year-old knows that you're not okay. Yeah. Well, like and it, he saw me weeks prior, like, leading up to all these choking incidents. But my husband was always home, so it was so different. But he knew what to expect of mommy's choking. Like, that's scary. Right. And normally he sees daddy helping. Yeah. And, he, and, he, and now I maybe he knew, like, dad's not home. Yep. And whenever you whenever I would cough, he would always like come up to me and he'd start patting my back. Cause Aww. that's what my husband would have to do is pat my back to try to help me no, just, like, spit it out. Back, yeah. Right? Like, so this poor little boy is, is going up to me during this whole incident, patting my back. Paramedics finally come. We're talking to them. They do the same thing as what they tell you. Like, okay, do you want to go to the hospital? Um, there could be something else lodged in there at this point. I mean, I'm like, whatever, I'm fine. I think I'm good. But I asked them the question, which I never really thought about before because I've read literally a thousand police reports of 911 incidents. Yeah. I've had 911 operators in court testify before about people calling, making complaints, whatever. And I asked them, I'm like, why didn't you come the moment I clicked 911 on my cell phone? And they said that, which I didn't realize, which is, I feel stupid as a lawyer and just as a mom, that mm. your cell phone doesn't register with 911. What? That they cannot locate your house directly from your nine one from your cell phone you have to actually register that number with either your town or with certain apps like smart 911 is an app that you can use and then it registers your house address to a 911 operator so in my situation they could tell that someone in the vicinity was calling 911 but if they were to drive out and go in that area they could only find you within a thousand feet so worst case scenario you're calling 911 because you're in that situation you're choking no one else is around you run outside your house like that's what I would learn like literally like yes run outside your house and be waving people and hope hope to god someone's like out there and sees you and can help you whatever at that situation or what I should have done is text my husband to call 911 that would have been the alternative too but you don't think about that all I'm thinking of is I have two little kids what the heck am I going to do if I'm on the ground and I'm not here for them like that's I was just crying my eyes out when this is all happening that is terrifying too after we told 911 hey and the paramedics and we knew they were coming i finally was able to melt down and i was crying like because of the thought that i wouldn't have my son in my life anymore everybody knows you love your kid but like when something this terrifying happens and same for you when something as terrifying happens like as a parent and you're not going to be able to see your kids anymore. Yeah. And vice versa. Like, I'm not going to be able to see my kid anymore yeah. because I'm, he's gone. Like, ah. Oh, it's a nightmare. It's a total nightmare. And then, it, like you said earlier, it doesn't just end after 911, after the paramedics leave your house. Everyone's like, oh, you should just be able to bounce back. I was in tears for, like, the following two weeks. And I had to go back to work right after. And that's when... I started calling doctors like crazy and trying to make all kinds of appointments being like, what's wrong with me? Because this can't keep happening. Like, I don't ever want to be in that position to have my kids without their mom at the end of the day. And did you figure it out? Yes. Um, and now it, I went to an ENT 
it was basically a lot of acid built up, which makes sense. I mean, you're a mom. You drink a ton of coffee in the, every day. That's what I was living on at that point. I said a brand new baby. But um, they also just said that my like esophagus was smaller than most people. So that was another problem, which you can't really do anything about. I mean, it's just you're dealt with the cards that you have. And it's just scary, though, because I would have never known that had I not been in that situation. And thank God it did get saved. And even to, like, have to go through all those steps, right? Like, to prove to your employer, like, something's wrong with me. I need more time. This isn't okay. So, like I said, I was supposed to go back to work right after. um, Because it was, I want to say, in the heart of COVID, Mm -hmm. I was trying to get doctor appointments. I couldn't get anything because they were limiting appointments at that time. Um, I was not ready to go back to work at all. I, if I... Looking back, if I would have gone back to work right then and there, I would have quit my job. Like, there's no doubt about it. It's just I wasn't ready mentally. I was so afraid of what could happen if that would happen at work in that situation. And then it's one thing to be with your kids in that situation. Well, as a lawyer, right, there's like a certain persona and composure you have to have. And you don't want to be the lawyer that's constantly choking. Yeah, especially at your office. I'm in a place where you sit and you eat lunch on the go. You eat it at your cubicle. You eat it just running errands in between court calls. It's very different. So it's like you never want to be, like you're saying, in that position where you have to, like, go run around the corner and try to find one of your coworkers to help, like, give you the Heimlich. Give you the Heimlich. <laughs> and just, it's horrifying. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so all I learned was I did talk to my employer. Um, I needed – some doctor appointments they were really understanding but it was also terrifying to try to talk to them about it because it's like you want to share some details but you don't want to share details that you're also almost in a sense going through like PTSD almost like Mm -hmm. from that situation and you're just not ready to go back well I mean how like how okay motherhood is already exhausting especially with a newborn you're tired you're not sleeping you're trying to figure out their schedule and on top of that, you have to worry about whether if the fact that you're finally sitting down to eat for 20 seconds is going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> like that's added stress that we don't need. And nobody wants that. I mean, at the end of the day, you just want to like be your best self, be the best self, be the yeah. best mom you can yeah. for your family. And you hope that your employer can understand that yeah and it, it all and i think like these stories show that like our children comes first yeah. like no matter what we do they're always going to come first and you don't realize that when you're pregnant no right like when you're pregnant <laughs> you're all. just like okay i'm having a baby and then they come and then as time goes on you love them more and more and really for me it takes a moment like this that i'm telling you about to realize my child comes first no matter what the perfect headshot is a collaboration the standard headshot experience is somewhere between awkward and perfunctory scary and boring but now when you hire peter gubernat of pg headshots in downers grove illinois as he learns what you need for your brand he helps coach you during the session and makes you feel more confident and comfortable as the session goes on check him out at pgheadshots.com Again, that's pgheadshots.com. And I say that we don't know that when we're pregnant because when I told my employer that I was pregnant, I had just started the job. Um, 
so I was actually going through it in the interview process when I be, I got pregnant and I was like, I, I can't tell them yet. First of all, it's only a couple weeks. I was going to so, say, how early were you? I want to say like four weeks. Okay. Um, so I didn't want to tell anybody until after the first trimester. And I was going through the interview process. I didn't want to not be given the job just because I would potentially have to be out, you know, in a couple months. Well, and employers can say whatever they want, that we're going to treat you the same. That's whatever. They can say that all they want. But at the end of the day, I don't buy it. You have two people standing next to each other for the job, one pregnant, where you know they're going to be out of maternity leave in a couple months, and then one not pregnant. If I was the employer, I would take the non-pregnant too. It's kind of easy. I mean, you want someone stable there, and you don't. So why put yourself in that situation, I guess? Exactly. So, and, and, and that's Especially I, when you're that early, you don't really know what's going to happen yet either. Right. Like, I could have miscarried. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I didn't tell them. But once I, you know, I got the job, I waited till the end of the first trimester. I told HR. And she was like, congratulations. Like, that's not what I expected. Yeah. <laughs> um, she congratulated me. She told me how happy she was for me. And... She told me when I was ready to tell um, the partner that I was pregnant to let her know. And she would give me some tips. And I think I ended up telling them when I was six months pregnant just because I wanted to show them for a couple months that I could do the job. Yeah. And that it would be worth keeping me around even after. And when I told my boss... Which, that's hard to do in itself. Like, you must have been hiding yourself really well. Well, luckily it was winter in Chicago. Probably too, but. Yeah, yeah. No, it was winter in Chicago, so I wore oversized sweaters. And, like, you couldn't tell. But as a mom, like, or as a lawyer at that point, like, it's so hard to find dress clothes and everything and mm-hmm. to find stuff that would cover a baby bump, too, and still be work appropriate. That's another task in itself. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, with what I do, I don't have to be in court that often. Like, yeah. you have to be in court a lot. Yeah. But also with the pandemic, no one was in the office. And so I was still going in a couple times a week because I, well, one, I like going in. It's just like a different environment. It's nice to be in the office. You feel like you're a professional. Um, But I also wanted to like meet people who were there. And so it was kind of business casual, kind of mostly casual. So that helps. So you didn't need the blazer every day (laughs) or the button up shirts or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Dress shirts. Yeah. I I also was kind of like a tiny pregnant woman. I want to say barely, I barely started showing at six months. So that's when I was like, all right, (laughs) the bump's coming. (laughs) Um, Mind you, I still gained 35 pounds all belly by nine months. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was, it was kind of nuts. I looked like I had a giant balloon on my stomach. (laughs) That's all mom, so. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I told my boss, and he also told me congratulations. And he told me, you shouldn't let your career get in the way of life. And instead of saying, like, you're right, thank you for saying that, I, you know, uh, I justified myself. I excused myself. I said, and vice versa. Like, I shouldn't life get in the get in the way of my career. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm i still going to be here. Like, I'm going to be full of devoted. Right? Because that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, and then after my son came, of course, like, things change. Work is still a priority. And I will still do what I need to do for work. Um, but my son is also priority. Yeah. And I think he's priority number one. But isn't it crazy how someone says congratulations to you and the first thing that comes back out of your mouth is but I'm still going to keep up with my work. I'm like, I'm coming back to work. Cause that was my exact reactions. And every time that I've announced that I've been pregnant to my office as well, is that I've gone to the main boss at our office and I, 
skipped over everyone else basically went to the main one told him the same thing like hey but I waited till I want to say almost 20 weeks after the first the first one was easy to hide the second Mm -hmm. two were harder because you definitely show so much faster and you don't realize that as a mom or a female until it just happens like literally on my second pregnancy I felt a bump like I felt it at I want to say almost 10 or 12 weeks like no you just like popped like I was comparing clothes that I wore during my first pregnancy from work clothes and I'm like nothing fits me like what the heck am I gonna do now like I need to cover this I need to hide it because I was still early you never know what's gonna happen you hope for the best but you have to sometimes I don't know what I say is you have to expect the worst too in those situations so I was buying bigger clothes I was buying all kinds of things bigger blazers just everything I could to hide it Mm -hmm. until I felt comfortable to share it with my boss but the same thing I would tell them oh I'm pregnant um this is when I'm due they say their congratulations they were so happy they were really really kind about it all and just overly accommodating but then my follow-up was the same as yours was oh don't worry I'm coming back I'll be back whatever July 1st or whatever the date was I'm like don't worry I'm still coming back I'm not quitting like I'm still gonna be here even though this is my second this is my third I'm still coming back and it's weird that you have to like justify that to yourself and tell them when really it's none of their business like at the end of the day what you decide because you don't know during maternity leave what your mindset's gonna be you might change that like I've known a lot of moms who they say they're coming back and it's not until they're literally step back into that office, work for a couple hours, and then decide, I don't want to be here. I want to be with my children. Instead, I want to stay home. And that's the hardest decision I think a working mom can ever make is whether or not she's going to go forward with her career, that she put all this time and energy towards, extra schooling, um, a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. And that's still paying student loans. That's what's always in my head is I have so much money into this. I had my parents helping me I had my husband helping me and I'm just in that situation where it's like you want to do the best you can but you also want to just be in like role model for your kids yeah and for me it's like all that and I'm also intelligent and you know once my kids go back to school what am I gonna do or once my kids start school yeah not go back (laughs) once my kids start school what am I gonna do he's gonna go to you know what is it, preschool and age three or something? What am I going to do? Just sit at home? Which not, there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's a lot of moms who do that and I applaud them. Like the fact that they can stay home and do that. Like it's amazing to me. And I'm actually like jealous. Half of me is just like cringing because I'm like, I wish I could be you. But then I know that I'm going to have that guilt inside me of, I worked really hard for this degree. I worked really hard for a law degree and I want to use it in some even fashion. though some days I want to bang my head yes. against a wall because it's really complicated and it's really complex and it takes a lot of work and you you feel like I should know this answer. I shouldn't have to spend so much time looking yeah. this up. Um, but I think that's what we're trained to do. And yeah, I think, yeah, that's the wh- hardest part is like, am I really good, not going to think about the law after I spent so much money and time on it? Yeah. And once my kids go back to school, what am I going to do? And I think that's where we kind of brought this podcast to light and you have to practice balance in your life and you have to figure out what the best balance is for you and for every mom it's going to be different and I also think like we don't even as as working moms we don't have a lot of time to sit there and and have a conversation with a friend we don't have a lot of time to call up a friend and say hey 
My child almost choked the day before his birthday. I texted a few friends, but it wasn't a full conversation. It was like, hey, just so you know, you should take CPR in person. Yeah. Uh, so that's part of the reason we created this podcast, too, is we want other mothers to know they're not alone, that like there are other mothers that go through similar situations and we have similar thoughts and similar anxieties. As much as that, as tiresome as the law can be sometimes, I'm grateful that I have an interesting job and I'm grateful for my employers who told me congratulations. And I think that's an innate trait for us as women in the United States to sit, to give an excuse for, for, for having to take some time off work. Cause, cause men don't, right? Yeah. Although they've well, started some, to. Yeah. They've started I was gonna to say in our office, it's pretty common for a lot of guys now to start taking like paternity leave for a few weeks. Which is great. Yeah. Like I know uh, some of the big firms give six months to men and that's fantastic. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, but I think that it's lacking for mothers. I think that we should be given the benefit of the doubt if we're not ready to go back to work and we're not mentally prepared or physically prepared or we're just exhausted, might not be the best time for us to go back. And that's what I learned through this all. Like I wasn't trying to take advantage of anyone through my job. I was just not at that point. And Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful that I was able to get those extra, I believe it was two weeks but in those two weeks, I went to the doctor appointment I needed to. I got everything situated. I started on medications that I needed. Like, I figured out safety plans. Like, you just was more mentally prepared in that time. And if I would, like I said, if I would have went back the two weeks earlier, I would have quit probably walking yeah. in that door because I was just so mentally drained from what, everything that had happened and just so scared about what could happen in the future. And yeah. you don't want to be in that position. So you you so it's like you you work for the government. Yeah. Um, uh, county. Yeah. So how did you approach asking them for the extra time? So I, I wish I had yeah. asked for an extra four weeks. So I took the 12 weeks FMLA leave. Okay. Um, long story short, I haven't, had not been there long enough to qualify for the full paid leave. Okay. So I got a prorated pro portion and, um, you know, only a portion was paid and the other portion was not. Yeah. I wish... I had said, hey, I'm not ready. I need an extra four weeks just so I'm not so tired. Yeah. Because I was getting three, four hours of sleep. Which you never expect. You hear about, but you don't expect to actually be in that situation. And we'll get into that on another podcast. That's its own topic. Right, right. Like the expectations. Like I wish somebody had just told me what it's really like and like not like, it'll be fine. It'll pass. No, I need to know what I'm getting into. Um, but at that time, come the 12 weeks, I was getting three to four hours of sleep over a span of like nine hours because it was not uninterrupted sleep. I was fully interrupted. What I did was I was still at home and I honestly cannot remember if I sent an email first or if I called them first, but I called our HR and I, I want to say I sent an email now that I'm thinking about it. I sent an email saying something like, respectfully, here's my date that I'm supposed to return um, at this point, I'm suffering some type of medical issue, which I was. I mean, it's not a lie. You can go check the doctor records. Like, I was calling them and trying to set up appointments and going through losses. I told them, I'm like, go check with the fire department. If you really right. want to rec- record everything, right, you can talk to the paramedics who were at my choking. house two weeks ago. <laughs> so, before you sent this email, before we get to that, how, how many weeks did you actually have So I had allowed? six 
16. You had 16. Yeah. I wish I had 16. They weren't all paid. Like it is what it is. Everyone has different. Um, I chose to do the full 16 knowing I wasn't going to get paid. The extra time I took off was unpaid. So mm-hmm. it did dip into like vacation time and all that stuff too. So that kind of How much sucks. did you have unpaid? I mean, how, how much of the time did you have paid versus unpaid? Or are you not allowed to disclose it? Uh, or do you not remember? I don't remember. I want to say it's like a month you get paid. Okay. But it's like, okay. it has to do with like, it's not full, full paid either. Mm-hmm. It has to do with you taking some of your vacation, time off, um, personal time. So it's all like this little mm-hmm. system that someone in our office excuse me writes up for you and basically documents on three calendars of your material leave and it's like here's your time that you're taking and here's what's paid here's unpaid here's where you're and, on and your i'm own, sure this which, is progress from many years yeah. ago where <laughs> women were like okay you delivered can you come to the office yeah. and i was in a good situation like where we could take time off where I was very lucky that my husband's got a good job that we could take a little time off and I could stay home to be with the kids and recover for those 16 weeks not everyone has that opportunity Mm -hmm. but at the same time I think it's really important that if you need extra time you need to voice your opinion and try to get it like I'm not saying abuse the system because I'm sure people can do that in situations but if you're not mentally prepared 100% if you're suffering from some type of medical thing a lot of people go through um bad births and have their own medical situations from that then you should ask your employer i mean it can't hurt to ask the worst they can say is no and then you figure out something else right and i actually wrote an article be prompted by the fact that i went through maternity leave and in in my head thought god i would i wish i had an extra four weeks because these 12 weeks are not enough. I felt more more myself at 16 weeks. Um, so I wrote an article on the Illinois State Bar Association's uh, Young Lawyers Division newsletter about paid maternity leave, strictly maternity leave. And there is a, I, th- I can't remember what country it is, but they have 53 weeks I want to say like Sweden or someone. When I got back, it was like one of those little ones though too. Were telling me that they have like. But most countries have at least six weeks. Many have well more than six. A lot of them have at least six months. Mm -hmm. That's what I was learning about during maternity leave. Right, and so I wrote in the article like, look at all these countries that have so many weeks of maternity leave, and we have none. We didn't have. We don't have. Well. I I forget that when I wrote the article, Congress at the time was talking about passing maternity leave and it got reduced from whatever number number they were initially proposing. I think it was the 12 weeks and it got reduced to four weeks. I I forgot to look it up, so I don't know where it's at, but it could be four weeks paid paid time off now. Um, I haven't looked, but it's family leave. Yeah, because you have to use that. That's what I mean. It's not just... that's what they were proposing was four weeks paid family leave and then you know you get your full 12 weeks eight unpaid um but yeah motherhood is tough finances are tough you're asking me to go back you want me to continue to be an employee i want to continue i want to continue to be an employee but like there's got to be a balance and we have got to be allowed to speak up and and tell employers hey this is what we need because like you're saying we want to go back, but yeah. if we go back too early, you're not going to be a good employee for them. Right. You're just going to be a tired employee. Are you joking? <laughs>
No, I'm not choking. I had <laughs> just a sore throat last week, recovering from being sick all week, and my throat got so dry, and it looked like I was choking there. You probably <laughs> so I'm like, like uh, downing water on this side. And but. bringing back the <laughs> original topic with Jessica not choking. Um, I think I think the moral of all this is your child becomes number one. You don't realize it until they're here. And as time passes, you fall in love with them more and more every single day, and they become number one. But at the same time, you have to put yourself first when it comes to jobs, too. Yeah. Well, and and just being a good mother, being a good wife, being a good just role model in your place of employees or place of employment because other women are going to be looking to you, too, when you get back into that workforce. They're going to be looking at you, how you handle certain situations. So you do have a lot on your plate, but if you put yourself first, like you're saying, and make sure that you take care of yourself in those situations, you can be the best in those situations. Right, and be a better attorney for it. You can can say, hey, I'm not ready. Just a couple weeks, please, and then I'll be 100% there when I'm at work. That was a lot that we covered today, and, and I think it's it's valuable lessons for new moms, for moms re- on maternity leave, for moms returning to work. And I think it helps to hear other moms say it so that you were in that situation. It's one thing to Google and to Pinterest things about mm-hmm. what happens with my kids choking in those hypothetical situations, and then you think kind of you're crazy because you're like, why am I even looking into this? But until you hear another mom say, this is what happened to me, it could potentially happen to you. It helps ease your mind because you'll be ready. You won't be in that panic mode. You'll still be somewhat panicked, but at least you'll know, okay, here's the steps, do this or whatever, and then I'll be okay, and my kid will be okay. Right. We'll get through this. And, and I think it's, it's important to recognize, like, oh, he's not making sounds. That means he's choking. Yeah. But on top of that, it's important to take in-person CPR classes yes. because a lot of us did it over video during the pandemic, and it's time to put your hands to work and, like, yeah. actually see how it feels and and really do the steps not just see somebody else do them and look into know, the 911 system for yeah you. yeah so, so okay so tell tell me a little bit just a little bit more about that because i actually need to look into that so with your cell phone we're so used to the olden days everyone would have a landline so it hooks into your house that's registered somehow through the telephone wires mm-hmm. and police departments and fire departments would then be able to track exactly your location when you're calling from that landline. Your cell phone doesn't pick up like that. Your cell phone just sends out a ping basically saying, here's my vicinity. And what the paramedic told me is it's within a thousand feet. So he would know I'm in this corner of my block, but he wouldn't know what house to actually drive to look to. So that's why I said, if you're in the situation where you haven't registered that 911, get the heck outside, go stand and start screaming. Like, scream as much as you can, try to draw attention to yourself if you're ever in that situation and you're not within walking distance of a fire yeah. department. Because hindsight, I should have just ran out the door. Yeah, yeah. But I do kids. Like, what do you do? You just, yeah, right. you don't know well, what to do in that situation. you are in a life-threatening situation. Yeah. So, so, I'm sorry, what's so, the system? So what you need to do is either contact your village or county. There's different things depending on where you live. Uh, if you contact them, you can actually register your cell phone number with 
the fire department and the police department in your area. So not so don't call one. the fire department and police department directly, but call your your village. Or you city. can. It'll it differs on every town because okay. I was looking. So into maybe this. call your village. And yeah. Or your city and, and you ask can, them. Yeah, either call them. You can Google it a lot of the times. Yeah, say, hey, I need to register my number with the emergency de- services. Yeah. There's also, though, a website that I was using. It's called smart911.com, uh, and you can just sign up there, and it'll ask you for your phone number. It'll register your address with them, and then somehow that gets registered. And you can even do alerts on there. You can do notifications about... Um, traffic emergencies in your community like it's crazy it's kind of mm. like ring but for 911 yeah. situations and not a bunch of people complaining yes <laughs> no one complaining about the dog across the street yeah. um who's this delivery man <laughs> so that's another good app and that's something good for moms to know that's actually out there because i would never think like i said i was a, the prosecutor who read a million nine one reports and never thought that they wouldn't be able to possibly trace someone on the other end yeah. who wasn't speaking and using real words so if you're choking on that other end or if you're not making a sound at all, they can't find you. And that's scary to think about as a mom. Yeah, and for those of moms with older kids, teach them as soon as you can 911. Because if your kids are vocal at all, I know we went through that a lot after this all happened with my two-year-old. I mean, he was saying some words, talking a little bit, but we were trying to get him to say 911, call this. On a cell phone, it's kind of hard, but at least if you're in that situation where you're choking, you can at least call the number 911 and then put the phone up to the kid and they can kind of say some things and hopefully the paramedic will then realize, okay, um, they're choking or whatever. But in hindsight, like I said, also send a text to someone if mm-hmm. you can, hoping mm-hmm. that they're going to relay the message. I wish you could 911. text 911. I wish you could like text them like, my ad- here's my address. Which I feel like I did look into, but I... I'd have to, yeah, I don't remember. We'll have to look that up a little more. Put some of that on our social media. Yeah. I always, I always um, thought about that. Like if I'm in a situation where I can't talk and I just text 911, (laughs) which like I said, there probably is a way. So we'll have to look into that. We'll put that on our social media so that moms will know what to do in those situations. Yeah. That would, that would be great. I think that'll be a great resource for moms, um, especially because we don't have time to look up stuff normally. (laughs) Well, this this was very informative. I did not expect to learn so much about <laughs> <Heavy> you <topics. laughs> and about nine one one. Yeah, but I think it. I think this episode is important because, like I said, your kid is a priority, but you are too, and you gotta speak up and you gotta say the things that you need in order to continue to be a great mom, continue to be a great employee. This podcast was brought to you by the Illinois State Bar Association, the largest voluntary bar association in Illinois. I've been a member of the ISBA's Young Lawyer Division since 2015 and will serve as its vice chair next year. Last year, I was also appointed to the ISBA Insurance Law Section Council. It's a great organization to find other attorneys with similar interests and to seek out leadership roles. Check them out at isba.org. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to Life in Practice. We're Natalie and Jessica. Be sure to check us out on social media at Life in Practice or visit our website, lifeinpractice.com or send us an email at podcast at lifeinpractice.com.